All right, my people, this is your man, the dude, the black dude, L. Jamal, coming through for another edition of Never Out of Bounds. We're going to get your week started off right on this Monday night. We got quite a bit to talk about, mostly dealing in the sports realm, uh, but we got some international news here. Uh, we're going to get right into it with the war on the street. Now, war on the street is there's some political unrest in the country of Hungary right now. For those of you who do not know, uh, Hungary is located within Central Europe and, of course, is a part of the EU. Uh, now, 15,000 citizens protested through the streets of Budapest, which is the capital, on Sunday. Uh, now, members of parliament, uh, they also camped outside of national television headquarters to voice their opinions. Actually, they, they had a list of demands that they wanted the current party uh, to start issuing out. Now, um, the, a member of parliament by the name of Bruce uh, Tordai said members of the opposition parties will now uh, meet uh, to give to uh, sorry to combat the current prime minister Victor uh, Victor sorry Victor Orban. Now protests broke out last week and it was triggered uh, triggered uh, and they actually broke out last Wednesday uh, to be more precise. But they were triggered by the recent law that Hungary just passed that uh, that allows employers to increase the amount of overtime. No, uh, there was no you know parts about you know how that would affect pay or if they would get paid more uh but just more overtime and apparently the people are not having it also there was another law passed that would give the government more control over the court system so it looks like it's almost like an autonomy right now that you're trying to set up here kind of uh but this is a quote coming directly from uh bruce uh bruce tordai uh the member of parliament here over the last eight years there have been a lot of similarly uh mind-blowing bills passed through parliament but this slavery uh law naturally creates a sense of solidarity because it could affect almost every hungarian citizen uh, i'll take that for his word that means it's going to affect those in the upper class, upper working class, probably everybody except for one of those those wealthy guys. And that's just, this is always what happens when it comes down to these laws. Peep, peep game. Um, peep game when people tell you voting's not, you know, necessary. Voting's not for you. This next story that I got for you guys, it's not over. Uh, it's a different story than this, but this next story that I got for you is going to knock your guys' socks off, especially for those people who feel that voting is not important. But obviously, uh, voting and, and the government is important to somebody. Somebody is controlling it. Somebody is reaping the benefits of it. It's just not the people who have to go out there and go work. I keep telling people this is not about the, 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 the poor fighting the masses. It's not white versus black. You got to remember especially in this country racism is a is a tool to keep the classism in check because really what it comes down to is the haves and the have nots always has been in 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 multiple countries especially in mercantile uh capitalist countries uh but moving on uh orban the current prime minister took over in 2010 and this party the fidesz has a two and a two-thirds majority in the parliament uh they've also taken away private control from many entities including the local and media outlets like you see what trump is trying to do now uh well see in that country hungary they'll, they've taken it over they made it state run in america your president will trash you 24-7. So I'm just trying to give you guys uh, some, some differences of what's going on in the world right now. This is not, you know, as you see, especially in Europe, because Europe, they'll get down. They're quick to protest. They'll, they'll protest 
you know, immediately. And it'll be a, a large group of people in America. They have us so divided by class. They have us divided on religion. They have us divided on subgroup. So you, if you're, if you're black, if you're gay and you just so happen to be black, you're different from a lot of gay people. You, you'll, because of you, because of your distinction, you want to put yourself in a black gay box, unfortunately. And that's what kind of happens in this country. Or you're black and you have money or you're white and you have money. Trust me, there's a lot of backgrounds. You know, there's conservative, liberal. Uh, here it's a lot different. So you don't see a whole lot of protesting unless it's a group of people, whether it's, you know, the poor and disenfranchised. We're talking about the Occupy movement. Uh, when you see Black Lives Matter movement, it's, it's a lot of black people. Uh, not to say that white people do not show up, not to say that they're not respected or not wanted there. But for the most part, this that was a black um uh, protests just like when you had the women's movement sure you might have you might have had a few guys there you might have had a few guys in solidarity saying yes i got your back but as you could see that was a whole women's movement not you do not see a true american movement in this country true movement where it encompasses all different backgrounds and all different groups of people and in my opinion that's what we're going to have to have in order to make these changes but you know you guys we're getting caught up in these groups and these clicks it don't work y'all but this is the big story that i wanted to talk about uh for you guys this is more i got some more information about the russians that have been all the hacking that's been trying to control social media uh, we've heard about maria butina i talked about her earlier this summer i've also talked about other uh russian uh, russian hackers that have been arrested and prosecuted and charged uh, but we have some more information detailing how far it went uh analysis uh Analysis has confirmed that um, that these hackers use social media. We already know this to uh, actually thwart a lot of blacks from voting in the 2016 election. Not necessarily voting, uh, necessarily voting for Donald Trump, but to kind of keep black people out of the mix completely. Uh, black turnout dropped by 6.6 percent uh, in 2016. They also went ahead and spread false information about Hillary Clinton with her ties being to the KKK and uh you know a whole lot of pushing the Benghazi thing in which she has not been charged for she has not there hasn't been any evidence to prove otherwise however we're getting deeper into this Russian hacking this Russian influence that Trump obviously knew about uh they benefited his party and he has not said anything in my opinion he's just as much of a traitor as the rest of these guys but I digress. I digress. Oxford University, uh, a research uh, researchers at Oxford University out there in London have also confirmed that Russia has been raging a five year propaganda battle with the U.S. and the citizens. They've been using they've been trying to push and pull Americans uh, basically for the benefit, like I said, of Donald Trump, Facebook, Google and uh, Twitter all failed to provide substantial info when the Fed wanted to get into their investigations, too. So they should definitely be held accountable. They literally information out there they allow people to that were outside entities come in here and influence how you think and feel don't get me wrong if you naturally want to be republican that's okay if you listen to the facts and that's what you want it to be then that's fine uh, i have a problem with knowing with, with i have a problem with this this outside influence i'm sorry and this makes all perfect sense to me now it makes some sense i, I i've truly felt like going uh, going into this election, going into these the last couple years before the election, I especially felt, especially amongst my black folk, that there was this, this strong, silent contingent that's just making a muck of things. I knew in the back of my head, there has to be some payment there. Somebody's getting paid to talk like this. I knew it. I'm not. I know I'm not crazy, but 
let's get more to these facts. More than 12 Russians have been charged with hacking by Robert Mueller. Thank you. That's the real American hero, unsung American hero of the year. Um, on, um, on one bogus Russian page, uh, this was called Blacktivist. This page got more than 4.7 million likes. Here y'all, here we go. And I'm going to say we, cause I'm, you know, black person. I, and I know I was active and posting whatever, not necessarily memes or just my thoughts. And we all were a part of this, but this page was able to get fourth 4.6 million of our likes. And it was backed by Russians because we don't know no better. We so busy trying to be contrary. Oh, well, well maybe, maybe the Democrats ain't right. Really? Obviously, the Republicans had your back the whole time, huh? Okay. The page also told people that no lives matter. Also, uh, Hillary Clinton, I also told Hillary Clinton supporters or just blacks in general to vote for third party candidates such as Jill Scott, uh, Jill Stein. Uh, also, they there was also a Bernie Sanders type movement that they tried to influence. However, again, uh, like I said, uh, you know, when it comes down to Bernie Sanders, there was a a primary for that and in a Democratic primary the, the majority of you know voters decided to vote for hillary it wasn't it wasn't that a, that the party shut him down it wasn't that the party wanted to play games with you uh you voted for that everybody named mama had on their facebook feel the burn feel the burn feel the burn but then you see hillary won by such a big margin i knew it was bullshit then but I, again i digress i digress uh now there's also now, now check this, y'all. Let's check this, y'all. This is why you gotta watch your situation. See, you can sit there, and even now, we're well, there's this new, uh, I guess, it's this new executive order that Trump recently passed, and it has to deal with black folk, and you know, everybody has, has, well, a lot of people, different people have posted pictures of this event, posted uh, some news about that event. Okay, but think about who it's coming from. And think about for all the generations and all the years that we as black folks, black men and black community as a black community have said we have needed to do this. We have been able to to make any changes in our community. We could have made those those changes a long time ago. But we needed we needed some type of okay from I guess the man to tell tell us to do right, right? But I'm very I'm sorry if I'm very uh very you know, very wary of these guys and very, very, very wary of this party because um, it's also been uh, come to my knowledge just through my research that they uh, the Russians also have operatives in St. Petersburg, Florida. Remember, I talked about how they uh, well, I might not have mentioned it here, uh, but there was definitely uh, something that I came across in the summer or actually a little bit after uh, the election in which Trump uh, was basically allowing uh, well, setting up prime. Russian uh, businessmen, business tycoons with property in Southern Florida. Where is St. Petersburg, Florida? Oh, okay. Y'all need to look at a map. Now, I would not be surprised if this all had something in common. They were buying his properties all throughout the South, uh, Southern Florida to be uh, to be precise uh miami area also st petersburg tampa florida to the tampa florida area as well uh now these operatives would recruit blacks and uh have them attend rallies and pass out literature now i'm sure they're paying them now so that so it almost makes you want to look at somebody like a tommy sotomayor or these real these real uh strong dominant trump pushing black people or people in general who 
are you really supported by? Y'all may claim that y'all might have this man's back or he represents whatever these values are that you claim you, you suddenly have now. But it's funny to me that he's having his, his strings pulled the entire time by an unknown, well, we know who it is. We know who the puppet master is, but y'all don't want to admit it. Y'all don't even want to admit it. This makes entire sense to me now. Now, I can see why people come up with these, you know, these random uh, stories and say, well, a lot of these black people must be. Now, it makes sense. I, I, I would not be surprised if you had blacks getting paid and being being paid to manipulate uh, manipulate us and the, bro the broader com community as a whole from both sides. Now, we know that this goes down. Uh, there is examples of less, the left wing doing this with Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick is a plant. It's not, he's not a good football player. He's not, you know, all these different things. He just said one thing, Black Lives Matter, the police are, are being brutal. Look, that's all, that's all dandy, but he can't throw a football. Somebody's in his pocket. Somebody's telling him what to do. Just like these, these left, these right wing guys. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody was paying somebody like a Tommy Sotomayor's pocket. Would not be paying these, these, uh, People like Candace Owens. I would not be surprised if if if, if the Russians was in Candace Owens' pockets. I'm a, I'm gonna say it right now. I'm gonna say it right now. All them black conservatives. I would not be surprised. Them big time ones all on YouTube got a got a large YouTube following. I would say the same thing for the left wing guys. I, I definitely see where it's a dirty game politically, but we know for a fact that we have the Russians involved in this. We have facts. This I got this from Fox News as well as The Guardian. My facts, trust me, I even got like I said, Fox News, the conservative side even talked about this. They even talked about these things in which they went after the African Americans. So I know this information is to be true. You can sit there and try to deny it. Okay, but you cannot deny that, uh, well, let's just talk some more facts here. 127 people were reached through Facebook, through all these posts, 10.4 million Twitter uh, t uh, t oh, tweets, excuse me, tweets were sent out referring to all this election stuff. 1,000 videos were uploaded to, uh, to YouTube and 18% of Instagram posts and 7% of Facebook posts mentioned Trump or Hillary by name. And guess what? Blacks were targeted with the most advertisement for the elections. So think about it. They push it all in your face. Then they expect you to make a decision about it. You know, that's how they do here in this country. But I know for a fact that the Russians ain't up to no good. I don't trust Putin and I don't trust your boy Trump. This is more reason why I don't trust him. Sorry, it ain't got nothing to do with being a liberal because I'm not liberal. I'm just somebody who can use my brain and can think outside the box. When has a businessman ever gave a fuck about the common man or the man he even worked his own employee? Never. But here y'all go. Because y'all think money, a lot of people think money is some type of power, some type of prestige in this country. And this is why we have people like this running our country. Now, when we're running to the ground and we have no money, we have no jobs, or or maybe we do get these little these low paying jobs, but our environment is fucked up because they're all factory jobs that are producing CO2, which we don't need. Who will you tell then? There'll be no, there'll be no liberals to blame them. There'll be no conservatives to blame them. Sorry, guys. I, I, I think we're going to have to wise up. This man is no, I'm sorry. His backing and his, and his, and his backing and him himself leaves so much to be desired. And I don't care what type. And if you ask me, whatever he, whatever he signed for us, if that's how we want to play this game, it was a handout too. Just like civil rights was a handout to y'all. That's that's a simple 
house nigga handout to me. Y'all begged him and y'all wanted him to, to give y'all a hug and include you in there. And he did it. That's what you wanted. Good job. Good job, guys. I'm going to take a quick break. And when I come back, I'll be going over some sports action. Like I said, there's a lot of stuff to talk about. So I'll get right to it. I'll have some NFL news for you guys. Uh, actually, not so much news, but a lot of a lot, all the scores from over the weekend, uh, Saturday and Sunday, which is weird because there's not a lot, a whole lot of I've never I've never seen a whole lot of football, at least professional football played on uh, Saturday. But we'll talk about all those scores and then uh, we'll get into my we'll, we'll get into the standings going into week 16. All right, y'all. We'll be right back. All right, y'all. Now, before I get into the NFL, uh, I'm going to go through some college football scores uh, uh, real quick. This weekend, uh, the ball season officially started. The postseason for college football officially started. So we're going through all the bowl games, of course, uh, the major ones at least. And uh, we're going to get to the New Year's Six and also the National Championship as well. Uh, But this weekend, this Saturday to be exact, actually, we had the New Mexico Bowl. And uh, Utah Utah State was able to get it done against North Texas, 52 to 13 uh, for Utah State they were led by their quarterback Jordan Love he went 21 of 43 for 359 yards also four touchdowns and interception and uh, he also ran for a touchdown as well uh, Gerald Bright also had 100, gar- 100 yards on the ground as well as two touchdowns and in terms of receiving they were led by Jalen Green he had six catches for 151 yards also a touchdown Aaron Vaughn's also had two catches he had 109 yards on those two catches and two touchdowns so very efficient, very, very efficient. And then on, uh, finally, we have Ron, uh, Ron Quion Tarver. He also caught a touchdown as well. And on defense, they were led by linebackers uh, David Woodard, who had 10 tackles and t- uh, 10 tackles and an interception. And also Tipa Galei, and he also had six total tackles. Now for North Texas, they were led by their, well, they had a few quarterbacks play this uh, play this game. But uh, the quarterback with the best numbers, uh, he ended up being uh, Kaysom Martin. He went 7 of 12, 110 yards and also a, t- a touchdown. Now, they had, like I said, they had four quarterbacks in total play. I uh, did not catch uh, any highlights from this game, so I'm not too sure what happened. Probably somebody went down or just uh, just bad play. But uh, there were four interceptions from, um, I believe, three altogether. All f- uh, all four quarterbacks that I, that I believe played through interception, or at least three of them. Uh, in terms of rushing, they were led by Anthony White. He had 53 yards, and also DeAndre Toy ran for a score as well. In terms of receiving, uh, Jalen Guyton led the way, four catches, 103 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, I actually think that those are good numbers, and the reason why I think that kid might be special, I'm not too sure what year he's at, uh, but just the drama that he had to go through in terms of four quarterbacks. If you're able to get four catches out of that for 103 yards, and a touchdown with four uh, quarterbacks out of four quarterbacks and three of them uh, were throwing interceptions. You did a pretty damn good job as a receiver. So I, I'll give him the player of the game uh, at least for, yeah, I'll give him a, the player of the game just for effort. And um, and on defense, they were led by linebacker uh, EJ Ejaya. He had eight total tackles and also defensive back uh, Nate Brooks. Uh, uh, he had six total tackles in the sack. Utah finishes finishes their season on a very high note. Uh, 11-2. and two. This is probably one of the best seasons that I've ever seen them have. I watched them uh, throughout the year, uh, bits and pieces here and there. But that was a good game. Uh, looks 
that was a good score for them. Looks like they had a good offensive output. Uh, their uh, their quarterback, of course, came to play, and you don't necessarily see them winning eleven games a lot. They might reach a ball game, uh, but just to be in the mix like that, eleven with eleven wins on in that uh, finishing the season ranked, that does not necessarily happen. Uh, also, North Texas, uh, even though they lost a bad, uh, you know, in a very bad way, they got crushed, uh, but they still. They have something to hang their hats on. They won nine games this season, so uh, I would not put them down so bad. Next year, they, they might be able to challenge, at least in their conference. Uh, moving on, we also got the Las Vegas ball. Uh, Fresno State was able to get it done against Arizona State, 30-21. to uh, For Arizona State, they were led by the QB, uh, Manny Wilkins. He had uh, he went 19-31 for 121 yards. He threw a touchdown, but he also threw for two interceptions. He also got 33, 36 yards on the ground, excuse me. Um, in terms of rushing, though, they were led by by their running back uh, who broke uh, some bro who broke some uh, Arizona State records if I'm not mistaken Eno Benjamin he had 118 yards he also ran for a touchdown and uh, in terms of receiving uh, Brandon Ayuk led the way he had nine catches for 61 yards Kyle Williams also had four catches and a touchdown and on defense uh, ch uh, sorry defensive back Chase Lucas had five total tackles and an interception and uh, the linebacker Darian Butler had ten total tackles uh, yeah, 10 total tackles, excuse me. And uh, for Fresno State, uh, Marcus McMarion, their quarterback, had a... Uh uh, not so, not so great of a game. Uh, he threw for 176 yards in total, two interceptions. Uh, but he ran for 41 yards and also a touchdown. Uh, but Ronnie Rivers, he led the way in terms of rushing. He had 212 yards, and on receiving, you had Dejounte O'Neal getting 42 yards uh, worth of catches. And then on defense, uh, they were helped out by linebacker uh, Jeff Fry. Uh, I'm sorry, Jeffrey. I'm sorry, Jeffrey Allison. He had 11 total tackles, and then on top of that, uh, Mike Bell. Uh, their defensive back also had 10 total tackles and um, I'm sorry, an interception, actually uh, an interception for a TD as well. So it was a good game from Fresno State, uh, good defense. Uh, again, McNary did not have a great game passing, but again, that defense is really solid. Two, two picks, well, I, I, excuse me, one pick sis. Uh, they have a really solid running game as well. Uh, Arizona State does not have a running game to sniff at either. You know, Benjamin has been leading them throughout the season, uh, but it looks like Manny, Manny Wilkins just couldn't get it done in the big lights. Uh, for Fresno State, they finished the year on a high note as well 12 and 2 and arizona state finishes off at 7 and 6 all right y'all well now let's get on to the uh nfl course where the big boys play and uh again like i said we had a ton of action this weekend we had some saturday saturday action uh which does not always happen uh but let's get right into it uh we got the the texans uh taking out the jets uh, 29 to 22. Uh, the Texans move on to 10 and 4. Uh, the Jets, uh, they're finishing at the bottom of the AFC East, 4 and 10. But let's get into these stats. Deshaun Watson had a pretty decent game. He had, well, actually, a pretty good game. 22 of 28, 294 yards. Uh, he also had uh, two touchdowns. In terms of uh, rushing, uh, he was the leading rusher. He had 26 yards on the ground. Uh, not a great game for Lamar Miller. Disappointing from him. Uh, in terms of receiving, DeAndre Hopkins had 10 catches, 170 yards, and two touchdowns. Damn, that man has some skills. And on defense, they were helped out by Jonathan Joseph. He had nine total tackles. And, of course, a defensive end, their stalwart, uh, J.J. Watt. He had six total tackles and two sacks. So, 
you can't keep him off any quarterback. As for the Jets, you got Sam Donald. Uh, he went 24-38 for 253 yards and two touchdowns. So the freshman, uh, or the rookie rather, he's not looking so bad. I mean, uh, he just doesn't have the right stars around him just yet. He does look to have some potential, though. Uh, in terms of rushing, Elijah McGuire uh, led, the, led the way. He had 42 yards and also a touchdown. In terms of receiving, Robbie Anderson had seven catches, uh, 96 yards, and also a touchdown. Andre Roberts also caught one as well. And in terms of defense, they were helped out by Tremaine Johnson. He had five total tackles. And also defensive end, Henry Anderson. He had four total tackles and three sacks. Really good game from the Texans, I believe. Well, they're close to, to uh to closing that AFC South out. I believe if they win one more game and the Colts drop one, uh, they can probably have it uh, next week. Uh, but moving on, we got the Cardinals losing to the Falcons big time, 40-14. to uh, The Dolphins, they come up short against the Vikings as well, 17-14. to uh, The Buccaneers also lose to the Ravens, 20-12. to I'm told, what did I tell you? LaMarket... Lamar, I'm about to call him Lamarcus. Oh my God, Lamar Jackson is playing better than his rookie counterparts. He's, he looks, in my opinion, uh, with outside of this game, this last game for Donald in terms of numbers. Um, I'm sorry, he has the most wins of starting quarterbacks, just about, and he just looked better. He looks to have the most potential, in my opinion. Of course, he's gonna have to improve his passing, uh, but I think that this this coaching staff wants to help him improve, and he wants. And this the most important thing that I have not seen that I see in him that I did not see in RG three that I did not see in Michael Vick. Even though those guys had great potential, Michael Vick might even be a Hall of Famer one day. But even what Lamar Jackson brings to the table with, that neither of them have, he wanted to be a he wants to be a passer no get me wrong it seems to me like he might want to run around to help the team out and to just be that that type of team player but he wants to be relied upon as the pocket passer and i think the more brothers get that mentality going the more we'll get some more respect for that position i i support lamar lamar jackson he is the he is the new black quarterback to respect he's better than colin kaepernick in my opinion he'll actually try to learn his playbook and he's not going to have no excuses about him he's going to learn his playbook he's going to be a better quarterback he's going to have to rely he's not going to have to fall back on being in what he's not going to have to fall back and rely on being woke in order to stay relevant his skills will keep him in the game believe that believe that and the black quarterback trend will was it will start to change with somebody like him and i'm gonna put my i'm gonna put my faith in him he's again and it's all because of disposition i saw that man uh right before he left for the draft and i know i'm taking a while to talk about it but i think it's something that we need to talk about because there's so much is being said about how athletic he can be how athletic he can or how much athletic potential he has he himself has said i want to be a pocket passer i want to be the man to be to have my arm be relied upon he said that and i've never heard a black quarterback say that maybe outside of maybe back in the day with doug williams or maybe warren moon and all that and i'll give them props who they are but Lamar Jackson is the second coming of them and I like him I like him a lot uh moving on we got the Browns uh they got the win here 17 to 16 they are keeping their playoff uh hope slightly alive and if I will give you a number two solid quarterback uh rookie quarterback that is uh Baker Mayfield he might throw a little bit crisper uh than Lamar Jackson of course he numbers might be a little bit better um passing wise than Lamar Jackson it's not that much of a difference though but again he's also getting it done as well uh he he has a good he has a good disposition as 
as well. He's a he's a friendly. I mean, he's not a friendly guy. He's like a party type dude, but he gets a serious. Uh, he gets serious and he and he wants to play and have fun. And you get that from him. And I like his disposition too. I just again just with all the all the stuff that we put on black quarterbacks and black black athletes in general, it's good to see a black leader every now and again. That's just me. Uh, Moving on, we got the Bengals getting it done against my Raiders, 30-16. Of course, we're going to get that. Hopefully, we'll get Tank get that first pick. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> but I'm just going to leave that one at that. Uh, of course, we have the Colts. This is one. This game here really disappointed me. Uh, the Colts were able to get it done against the Cowboys, 23-0. Um, both teams are at 8-6 right now. But let's get into these stacks. Uh, stats. Dak went 24-39, 206 yards. He also threw for interception. Uh, he also have 41 yards on the ground. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott was the highest rusher, though. He had 86 yards, so not necessarily a great game from him. Was kept out of the end zone. There you go. Uh, in terms of receiving, tight end Blake Jarwin led the way. Four catches and 45 yards. Uh, Cole Beasley also caught four passes as well for 42 yards. And on defense, they were led by Jalen uh, Smith at the linebacker position. He had 11 total tackles. They also helped out by Jeff Heath. He had nine total tackles. As for uh, the Colts, uh, they were led by Andrew uh, Andrew Luck, of course. Uh, he went 16 to seven, also for uh, also threw for 192 yards. Uh, in terms of rushing, Marlon Mack, of course, led the way, 139 yards and two touchdowns. And he looks looking to be maybe maybe Adrian James part two, at least uh, at least their second most capable running back that I've seen uh, since him. I haven't seen a, a running back come through for the Colts and, and get hundred uh, have 100 yard games like this. This, at least multiple hundred yard games like this in a while. Uh, in terms of receiving, they were led by, of course, T.Y. Hilton, five catches, 85 yards. And on defense, they were helped out by, um, excuse me, linebacker Darvis Leonard. He had 11 total, ta uh, 11 total tackles. And also defensive back George Odom, he had five total tackles and an interception. Uh, let's move on. We got the Bills coming up short by one. 13 to 14 is the final there against the Bills. We got the Packers uh, beating the Bears 17 to 24. I would say the Packers are eliminated uh, from playoff contention and all but the bears they clinched the nfc north you gotta respect them you gotta gotta give them their props doing it for the first time in a minute uh the redskins got it done against the Jags, 16 to 13 they also keep their uh, playoff hopes alive at seven and seven uh we got the titans the titans getting it done against their against the redskins a, a nfc east counterpart the giants 17 to zip uh we have a we had a solid nfc West matchup as well. The Seahawks got it done against the, I'm sorry, the Niners got it done against the Seahawks in overtime, 26-23. Uh, the, uh, the Steelers, I think of all the of all the top teams that play each other, at least of top seven teams that I'll put in a, put in a power, uh, sorry, power ranking. Uh, this was a minor upset for those, for those kind of teams. Uh, the Steelers did get it done against the Patriots, 10-17. Again, it was one of those wins that I weren't, I wasn't expecting personally. I had the, the Patriots well oiled coming off a, a bad loss uh to the to the Dolphins and just being more motivated. But again, it didn't get done. Uh we had the Eagles beating the Rams 30 to 23. And the Rams are in serious doo-doo. When I say serious doo-doo, they are in serious doo-doo. They did not look good. Uh but moving on, we're gonna talk about some Monday night football, of course, and uh we're gonna wrap this all up here. Oh, I guess we're going to go over the, the standings as well. So give me a second. Uh, the Saints were able to get it done, uh, twelve to nine, beating their NFC division rivals, the Panthers. Uh, the Saints move on to twelve and two. The Panthers 
if I'm not mistaken, have pretty much eliminated themselves from playoff contention. They are now sitting at 8-8. Eight and eight. Uh, Let's go through the stats here. Uh, Breeze, again, he looked to be very average, very human, almost basically below average, I would say. 23-35, 203 yards, and also an interception. Alvin Kamar ran for 67 yards, as well as a touchdown. Mark Ingram had 63 yards on the ground. Uh, Michael Thomas had seven total catches for 49 yards, so not a whole lot to be said here for them on offense. And on defense, linebacker Demario Davis had eight total tackles and a sack. And in safety, Von Bell had seven total tackles and a sack. And uh, as far as the Panthers, Cam, he went 16-29, 131 yards and an interception, so so again, another below average game for him. Um, Christian McCaffrey got got involved in the passing game. He threw four touchdowns on a trick play. As far as rushing, uh, McCaffrey ran for uh, 53 yards, also caught 67, uh, 67 yards worth of catches. As well as receiving uh, tight end Chris Manhurts at 50 yards and a touchdown. Uh, so on defense, they were helped out by Luke Keekley, who had 15 total, uh, sorry, 14 total tackles. And then they were also helped out by linebacker Thomas Davis, who had 12 total tackles. So again, the Saints don't look that great on offense uh, for, I would say, the second, uh, second, second uh, week out of out of three. Um, but again, their defense doing just enough to get them through. Uh, a lot's been said about their defenses in the past, but this one looks to be a lot better than than previous ones. Just the offense for the first time that has not been up to par. It's a little bit scary there for them. Uh, but three takeaways that I got uh, going well, yes, after week three is um, big trouble in sunny L.A. The Rams have lost two in a row. Last week was an ugly thirty. 30 to 23 loss versus the Eagles. Jared Goff has zero touchdowns and six interceptions, and Todd Gurley has 76 yards and just two touchdowns in the last two games. Uh, however, with that being said, they have a chance to to right the ship and at least get get an easy two in a row. Uh, hopefully, maintain that number one uh, seed. They'll be playing at Arizona next week. Easy win seems to me, and then they host the Niners. That could be a toss-up only because the Niners seem to be playing good, and you don't know what type of mindset the Rams might have. Uh, but they should be favorites in both of those games. Uh, but they're looking they're looking very bad right now, and Jared Goff especially looking bad right now. I don't know what to make of that. Uh, but my second big takeaway is Pittsburgh is exercising its demons. That win against the Patriots was a good win. I think this might is enough to get them. You know, pass the division. I don't know if Lamar. I'm sorry. I don't know if Lamar can win another game, um, another big important game to close out the season, or how well they, how well the Ravens can to, can in, can will end up finishing. Uh, but it looks to me that the the you know. The Steelers, they can win those games, and this is one of those teams that have haunted them for a while, whether it be regular season or postseason. That being the Patriots and Tom Brady. So it looks like they. I mean. They want to exercise like again. They're exercising demons. Okay, they gotta they gotta get through not having Le'Veon Bell. They gotta see that through, and they gotta see through all the drama that they they created throughout the course of the last two seasons. So, do they? How far are they going to playoffs at this point? I don't know. Uh, but it looks like they are, seem to be serious enough to want to turn that corner. And finally, um, the AFC West, in my opinion, is the Chile is the. Ch- is the Chargers, excuse me, the Chargers division to lose. Uh, that Thursday night win, 29-28 against the Chiefs, that all, in my opinion, set it set it off for me. Uh, Melvin Gordon will be back this week, and the next two games for them 
are pretty winnable. I know they'll be the favorite coming in to play the Ravens uh, at home. You know, again, that's a game that, that should be a toss-up, but I know they'll be counted as a favorite. And then you got, you got to go on the road to face the Broncos. Again, the divisional matchups are kind of tough, but again, I don't think the Broncos are that much of a challenge, at least this year. So, again, I, I think at this point, Kansas City drops another one, and uh, the Chargers, or, or you know, we have an interesting situation come Week 17, something to talk about. And uh, finally, let's get through these divisional standings right quick. Uh, let's go through the AFC. Uh, starting with the AFC East, as usual. Uh, the Pats are on top, 9-5. and five. Next, we have the Dolphins at 7-7, seven and seven. so still still in the hunt. They're at 500 right, right now, but in terms of the Dolphins, I don't really feel that they get it. Uh, in terms of the Bills, they are at number three. They are five and nine. And then at the rear, I talked about them a little bit earlier. We got the Jets here at four and ten. Off to the AFC West, the Chargers and the Chiefs, of course, are tied at for first. And then uh, if you want to go technical, you got the, the Broncos here at second slash third. Uh, they are at six and eight. And at the bottom, of course, here come the Raiders at three and eleven. And as far as the AFC North goes, uh, the Steelers are, are of course on top. 8-5-1 is their record. Right after them is the Ravens right on their heels, 8-6. and six. Who can make a statement if they are able to beat San Diego on the road? I will, I will give them that. Uh, next up, we have the Browns at 6-7-1. Also have a slim chance to make the playoffs. And then at the bottom here, we have the Bengals at 6-8. and eight. In the South, uh, wrapping up the AFC, we have the Texans on top. They are 10-4. and four. Uh, We also have the Colts here. They are standing up here at 8-6. and six. Uh, the Titans are at eight and six as well, and the Jazz bring up the rear at four and ten. As far as the NFC East goes, uh, we have the Cowboys here on top at eight and six. Uh, next, we have the Eagles and Redskins both at seven and seven respectively, and uh, at the bottom we have the Giants at five and nine. Uh, in the Western Division, we got the Rams, of course, on top eleven and three despite their losses the past two weeks. The Seahawks are at second, a good distance away. They are at eight and six, and uh, we have the the Niners here at third, four and ten, and at the bottom here we have the Cardinals at three and eleven. As far as the AFC North. Of course, the Bears, uh, they just recently won it. Uh, they are at 10-4. and four. Uh, We have the Vikings here at 7-6. and six. And then the Packers are here at 5-8-1. and one. And at the bottom, we got the uh, Lions at 5-9. and nine. All right, and as far as the AFC South goes, of course, we have the Saints on top. They are 12-2. and two. In second place, we have the Carolina Panthers at 6-8. and eight. And then uh, bringing up the... The bottom two uh, spots, we have the, excuse me, we have the Buccaneers and also the Falcons at both five and nine each. All right, we're going to take another quick break and when we come back, we're going to get to the college, well, the yes, the college basketball segment of the show. We're going to go over the scores over the weekend again, another busy weekend for college basketball. We're going to go over that and also I'm going to talk about my top three performers of, the, of that weekend, of this weekend, uh, that we just left and then also we'll be going over the top 25 so all right y'all we'll be right back 
All right, y'all, I am back. Uh, we're going to go over some college basketball action. Of course, there was a ton of action over the weekend as well as tonight. Uh, but we're going to get it started with Saturday's action. Uh, number three, Tennessee, was able to get it done against Memphis, their in-state rival, 102-92. to uh, Number one, Kansas, was also able to get it done against uh, Villanova. Villanova, excuse me, 74-71. to I'm going to break this one down here. Uh, for Kansas, I'm sorry, for Villanova, they were led by their star guard, Phil Booth. He had 29 points. Uh, they also got help out from their forward, Eric Pascal, who had 17 points and four rebounds. And their other guard, Colin Gillespie, had 15 points and three assists. As for Kansas, they were they got tremendous help uh, from their guard, LeGerald Vick. He had 29 points and seven rebounds. Also, one of their top players, one of the top players in the country, actually, for Diedrich, Dawson, uh, Diedrich Lawson, excuse me, had 28 points and 12 rebounds and uh, the biggest takeaway that I that I got from this game is uh, Villanova played a hell of a game, uh, but looking at their stats, I didn't see a lot of ball distribution. And uh, when I finally decided to look, take a look at the game, uh, they seemed like I said uh, they they stayed uh, they stayed with Kansas the entire game for a role team that's really hard to do. Uh, Phil Booth definitely made some key clutch shots, uh, but he took a lot of he took a lot of shots. Uh, he took a lot of crazy shots. Now uh, I knew I did know he pulled up from three for about thirty feet. Uh, now he did miss that sh he did make that shot, uh, but if he would have missed that again, that would have been another possession. Uh, you know, basically to Kansas, and that's kind of where um, that's kind of where Villanova found itself was in a shootout and uh I don't they didn't have enough to get it done. Uh they had three uh three players get double digits, but again, I didn't see enough move ball move. In the beginning, in the first half, uh both teams moved the ball pretty well actually. They moved the ball a little bit, set each other up. Uh Phil Booth got set up with a couple uh good sh uh, good shots from Colin Gillespie. Uh but again, uh after that second half, it got to a lot of almost isolation ball. Uh Phil Booth took a lot of big shots. Uh like again, he he was on fire. Had he not and had he and that's the thing about taking a whole a lot of shots and uh, being a streaky shooter like that and um, and I guess this is just where the game is going there's a lot of people shooting and just volume shooting uh, but the problem with it is if Phil Booth would have had a a, a low a low scoring night or let's say he wasn't as hot as he was uh that score could have been way it could have been way further than what we have here uh this was a pretty good score because he just because he just happened to make those shots and again i didn't see a lot of a ball move by any team that much in the second half but if we wanted if we want to take it down to talent kansas is going to have that nine times out of ten and it looked like uh but lenovo was not really ready for a shootout like that they didn't have it like that uh but moving on number 15 uh, uh, sorry, number 15, Ohio State gets it done as well. Another uh, a close scoring affair. Uh, this was against Bucknell. 73 to se uh, 71 is going to be your total there. It's going to be your final there, excuse me. Uh, number four, Michigan was able to get it done against Western Michigan, 70 to 62. Uh, also, number 21, I'm sorry, number 24, Furman uh, got it done against UNC Wilmington, uh, 93 to 50. Uh, in the big time matchup from Saturday, uh, this was a good one. Uh, this was number eight Gonzaga taking on number nine uh, North Carolina. North Carolina, North Carolina, excuse me, got the win here, one hundred three to ninety. Uh, let's break this one down. Uh, for uh, for Gonzaga. 
of course, uh, Ruchi, I'm sorry, Rui Achimura, uh, he definitely got his got his thing going. He had 17 points, seven rebounds, four assists. Uh, Zach, Zach, he's a Lego maniac. Zach Norrell Jr. also had 21 points. He helped out big time. And also their other guard, Josh Perkins, had 20 points, eight rebounds, and also five, I'm uh, sorry, eight, eight assists, excuse me, and five rebounds. But the story for UNC and the story for the game is Cam Jordan. Uh, I saw I saw some highlights from this game. Cam Jordan had 25 points four assists three rebounds cam jordan was all over the place he showed range he showed depth uh he showed a lot of different skills he was able to take it coast to coast i like that performance he definitely passed the ball uh pretty well uh, he just was a factor in everything that looked everything every positive positive aspect of what you can see was able to do saturday he was a part of it uh for luke may also got it got his got his thing going i call him tyler hansborough 2.0 however he has a little bit more range than cuz uh he had 20 points and also 16 rebounds and their other guard Colby White also came up pretty good for them 15 points and six rebounds uh moving on we got Northern Iowa uh getting it done against number 23 uh, sorry Northern Iowa losing to number 23 Iowa 77 to 54 uh, we also got number 22 Indiana getting it done against Butler 71 to 68 no they're not related to me I'd have been been ironic if I wouldn't want to to, went to a school called Butler. I would have been like, man, I'm related to y'all, but no, I'm not. That's kind of cool, though. Got a school named after me. That's right. Southern Illinois, uh, moving on, Southern Illinois took the L to Buffalo, number 14 Buffalo, that is, 65 to 13. Uh, we also got Kentucky getting it done against, uh, uh, sorry, Utah. Uh, they hold on to their number 19 spot, that being Kentucky. They win that game 81 to 61. Um, let's move on. Oh, also for Saturday scores, we also got Texas Tech getting it done uh, against Abilene uh, Christian, excuse me, 48 uh, to 82. Texas Tech holds on to their number 12 ranking. Arizona State, did get that win on Saturday as well. They get a win on Saturday as well. Uh, 76 to 74 against Georgia. Uh, also, we got the number 13, Virginia Tech, getting it done against Washington, 73 to 61. And also, we got Nevada, number six in the nation. They got it done against San Diego. I'm sorry, yes, uh, South Dakota State, excuse me, uh, 72 to 68. Moving on, we just have a few scores for Sunday. Uh, we got St. Louis, I'm sorry, uh, yes, St. Louis coming up short against number 21, Houston, 64 to 68. Uh, we also got Michigan State getting it done big time against Green Bay University of Wisconsin at Green Bay. Uh, let's get into this. Let's get into those stats real quick as well. Uh, for uh, Michigan State, uh, they were led by Ford, Nick Ford. He had 28 points, nine rebounds. He looked to be very dominant, especially in the paint. Uh, nobody could keep. Nobody could keep up with him. Uh, play of the game, in my opinion. High scoring. Uh, high scoring totals from both teams. Uh, and also we have uh, Cassius Winston also helped out for Michigan State. He had 16 points, 12 of six. He also got 16 boards. Uh, moving on to Green Bay, they got helped help out from their two guards, uh, Sandy Cohen the third. He had 22 points, five assists, and four rebounds. And Jay Cohen McLeod had 17 points. And um, finally for Sunday, uh, we got uh, Nebraska number 25 in the nation getting it done against Oklahoma. State. Excuse me, sorry. Uh, Oklahoma State, seventy-nine to fifty-six. Uh, as for tonight's scores, uh, we had some. Uh, we had two top twenty-five games. Uh, we had number eighteen Arizona State going down to Vanderbilt on the road, uh, sixty-eight. I'm sorry, sixty-five to eighty-one is a the score there. Uh, let's go over that score as well, real quick. 
Let's see if I have my stats for that one. Nope. I'm sorry, guys. I don't have no stats for that one. My bad. Sorry. But, anyways, Arizona State got it done against Vanderbilt. Uh, I'm sorry, Arizona State lost to Vanderbilt 68-81. to Also, we have uh, Southeast Missouri. Uh, they they took an L to number 11, Florida, 65-85. to uh, Off to the top 25. Uh, this is the, for the start of this week. Uh, it's, and this pretty much culminates what happened over the weekend. Um, well, actually, you know, before I get to that, uh, let's talk about my top three performers of the weekend real quick. Uh, one. I'm going to start off with Jawan Morgan uh, out of Indiana Ford. Uh, he had 35 points and three rebounds in that win against Butler, 71 to 68. I think he's one of the most uh, dominant in terms of how he uses his size, one of the more dominant big men. Uh, in the league, uh, well, at least in college basketball right now. Uh, you should be looking at him if you don't know about him just yet. Out of Indiana, we got Jawan Morgan, 35 points last weekend. At uh, another another uh, great performance that I saw was from guard Michael Flowers out of Michigan, 31 points, 7 rebounds, and a win against Western Michigan. 31 points, 7 rebounds are kind of self-explanatory. All over the place in terms of scoring. Uh, definitely showed range in that game. And again, he showed the tenacity, showed some heart to get the rebounds. And again, they won an easy game. You can't, you can't beat that. And uh, finally, uh, this is this is uh, coming from the big game on Saturday. Uh, we got guard Amro Schofield from Tennessee. 29 points in that game versus Memphis. 11 rebounds. You do not see a guard doing that too much. But again, he looked to be very exciting to me. Um, Going coast to coast, getting steals, part you know, getting uh, getting something done in every aspect of the game. You gotta love it. I like Admiral Schofield. He's currently about uh, he's currently projected to be a, a, a late third round pick uh, so far next year's draft. But if you keep having games like that, young brother. 29 28 points in games and 11 rebounds you're gonna move up brother so I'm, I'm gonna give you the benefits of the doubt tonight and i'm gonna give you all types of love and all types of keep going and keep striving brother because that was a good performance good good great performance actually against a team like memphis who's normally in terms of the tendency the teams from that state it's normally the team you hear a lot more about in terms of rankings, in terms of prestige. Uh, Tennessee has fought, uh, at least from the, I would say, the uh, mid-2000s, at least since 2010, 2010 era to kind of be where it's at now in terms of national relevance. So good luck on them for doing that, for, for getting their stuff together. Uh, but let's go through the top 25. Uh, this is all culminating, like I said, from last weekend and tonight's action as well. But let's get right into it. Of course, we got the Kansas, uh, Kansas at number one still. They are at 9-0. and uh, We have number two. We got Duke here sitting at 9-1. and At three, we have Tennessee. Tennessee has won four in a row, including that 102-92 victory that I talk, talked about at Memphis. Uh, they are 19th in total total scoring and they are ninth in strength of schedule so uh they're gonna get a lot of respect if they're able to keep winning and i think they have a good chance to keep winning of course i already talked about uh admiral schofield they they can score pretty well uh that ninth strength of schedule it may seem hard uh it does seem hard they do play you know in a really good conference but again if they're able to get through it since the gauntlet is so tough uh they're 
definitely going to be in the top spot for any type of seating. And they're going to get the benefit of the doubt when it comes down to ranking. So even what they do take losses here and there, they're going to get a lot of respect for that. And again, when they win, they're going to get a lot of respect for that too. Uh, moving on, we have Michigan at number uh, four. They are currently undefeated as well at 11-0. and 0. At five, we have Virginia at 9-0. and 0. At six, of course, I talked about them. Nevada, they are 11-0. and 0. Uh, Here comes at number seven, Auburn sitting here pretty at nine and one. At number eight, we have Gonzaga nine and two. They lost two uh, two straight recently. Uh, number nine, we have UNC currently sitting at eight and two. At number ten, we have Michigan State sitting here at nine and two. At number eleven, Florida State. Uh, they are, I believe, nine and one. Yes, I believe they're nine and one. At number twelve, we have Texas Tech. They are nine and uh, sorry, ten and oh, excuse me. They are also still tied for the first place spot in the B twelve. However, that doesn't really count for much because there hasn't really been any B twelve basketball played yet. Uh, we also got number thirteen. We have Virginia Tech here. They uh, took Texas Tech spot from last week. Uh, they are currently at nine and one. They are seventh in defense, fifty-seven point nine points allowed a game. I think that's a great number. Uh, they are tenth in overall defensive rating. They rank here at uh, one twenty, and they also sixth in offensive rating. Although they don't get a whole lot of, they don't average a whole lot of points, or at least top ten in points. Uh, but they are led by soft, uh, sophomore guard Nikhil Alexander Walker. He averages eighteen points, four and a half boards almost and also uh, basically four assists so really a wide range of talent on that team definitely can play defense it looks like they can play a little bit of team ball too um, the question for them is are they able to get to the ACC gauntlet you know again with all the teams we, they got right now already ranked got Florida State up there we got um, UNC up there we also have Duke of course at number two and Virginia at number five that conference that ACC conference I don't know I don't know how Virginia Tech fares in that conference, but I like defense. I'm one of the people that do believe that defense wins championships. That seventh-ranked defense might get them some places. At number four, we got Buffalo at 10-0, also undefeated. Uh, we also have Ohio State here. They are at 9-1. Uh, we have uh, Wisconsin here also at 9-1 as well. Uh, let's see. All right, so we also got uh, Mississippi State here at number 17. They're also at 91. Arizona State is also 8 and 2 uh, now with that loss tonight. They're sitting at 18 right now. They're, in my opinion, yes, they're more likely to drop a little bit uh, by the end of this week. I'm not too sure how far down, but look for them to drop at some point this week. At number 19, we have Kentucky at 8 and 2 as well. At number 20, we also have another 8 and 2 team, that being Marquette. And at number 21, we have Houston. Uh, we have our only undefeated, well, actually, no, we have two undefeated teams here in the top, well, at least in the 25 to 21 range Houston's being one of them uh, their biggest win so far this season was a 65 to 61 win against Oregon who was number 18 at the time and also they're they're ranked 15th in defense and we averaging about 60 uh, 62 60.2 points uh, per game and they they have a relatively easy schedule uh, they are ranked 198th in the nation uh, with that being said any losses that they do take are gonna cost significantly 
again, they're going to hurt them significantly. However, it'll be easy for them to rent, uh, to, to get a lot of wins in a row if they're good. So they'll be able to ring off. They're looking at 10-0 right now at this point in the season. I would not be surprised with the schedule they that they play. And in the, the conference that they play in, they don't finish with more than three losses. They might not finish that far uh that far high in the top 25 but they'll probably finish uh with at least two or three losses and that's the thing about that about having these strength of schedules they count all that in the factor as well uh number 22 we have indiana uh they're also at nine and two at number 23 we have eight and two iowa at number 23 we have Furman, who's still uh who's still undefeated at 12 and 0 and then bringing up the rear we have nebraska sitting here at um nine and two uh let's wrap everything up for tonight uh we're gonna go over to go over tonight's nba scores uh we're gonna go yeah, let's just start and then we're also gonna go over the uh the standings as well but let's go over these scores real quick uh the bucks got it done against the pistons 107 to 104 let's break this one down uh Giannis had 32 points 12 rebounds and five assists chris middleton also uh did his part he had 22 points and six or six and eric bledsoe he had 17 points and nine assists. As far as the Pistons, uh, Reggie Bullock led the way. He had 24 points and three rebounds. Stanley Johnson had 20 points and six rebounds and two assists off the bench. And Blake Griffin had 19 points, 11 assists, and 10 rebounds. Uh, we're going to get to the standings and all that later. So don't worry about their records just yet. And then uh, we also got the uh, the Kings beating the Timberwolves 105-132. to 132. Uh, The Bulls come up short again against the Thunder. 96 to 121. Uh, the Suns got uh, the Suns beat the Knicks 128 to 110. Uh, the Jazz got it. Well, Jazz excuse me, lost to the Rockets 97 to 102. Uh, the Spurs get it done against the Sixers 123 to 96. And this is this is the highest scoring game of the night here. The Blazers were able to get it done against the Clippers 131 to 127. Let's talk about this one. Uh, the Blazers, of course, were as usual uh, were led by Dame. He had 39. Points, six to six, and three rebounds. CJ also had 27 points, and Yusef Nurkic, the big man, had 20 to, uh, 20 points. Excuse me, seven assists, and also three rebounds. Uh, for the Clippers, Tobias, Tobias Harris, uh, he tied with Dame Lillard for points. 39 points. He also provided 11 rebounds for the Clips. Uh, Shy, uh, excuse me, Shy Gilgius Alexander had 24 points and three assists. Three assists. That name, I'm gonna have to get that one. I'm going to have to practice that one. And uh, also, Danilo Gallinari had 22 points, 5 rebounds, and 3 assists. And finally for tonight, the Warriors got it done against uh, the Grizzlies, 110-93. to now, Let's go through these standings real quick, starting with the Eastern Conference. Uh, we have the Raptors getting it done, 23-9. Uh, of course, they're sitting there on top. At number two, we have the Bucks. They are at 20 and 9 as well. The Pacers are at 3. They are at 20 and 10. At 4, we have the Sixers at 20 and 12. Uh, we also have the Celtics here at number 5. They are at 18 and 11. The six, uh, I'm sorry, at 6, we have the Pistons at 14 and 4, 500 uh, on the season. At 7, we have the Hornets, one game below 500, as well as the Magic, one game below 500. They are both at 14 and 15. Uh, moving on to the West, the Nuggets are on top there. They are 20. 20 and 9. Uh, number 2, we have the Warriors, 21 and 10. The Thunder are at 19 and 10 at third place. Uh, at fourth, we have the Lakers, 
who are 18 and 12, and the Blake, uh, sorry, the Blazers and the Clippers are both 17 and 13, and then we also have the Max, uh, the Mavs, uh, coming up at number seven at 15 and 13, and the Kings round out the bottom at 16 and 14. All right, y'all. So this is a. I'm gonna take a call to a call tonight for now. Uh, our next up, my next episode, officially episode 100. Woo woo. Yes, I made it this far. It's been good. My next episode, of course, uh, like we always do, uh, we do have a review that I have been working on. Uh, yeah, I'm going to re- be reviewing a um, a Netflix Western, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. I thought it was pretty good, really legit. I'm going to be reviewing that for you guys. I'll have that ready for my next episode. And then, of course, uh, there is some free agency movement in terms of the MLB. It looks like uh, Manny Machado has decided to take a few visits and all that. So we will dissect that. There was also a trade regarding uh, Noah Syndergaard out there for the Mets that was rejected. So we'll be talking a little bit about that, too. Again, I'm monitoring it. No real development yet for MLB free agency. But, of course, this is your place to come for that with uh, also, uh, of course, we will be getting into some college fo- college basketball. Of course, we can be talking about the scores, the latest scores there. Also, uh, any news that's coming up with the NBA, of course, we got that. Uh, again, I want to go over t- um, three questions I have for Week 16 for the NFL, and then also whatever news is coming from there. And, of course, you know, I got you. Uh, any, any news that's coming around, trust me, the big-time stuff, we're going to be talking about it. Uh, so, I... I'm not too sure uh, in terms of, like I said, of what stories are coming out now, especially for hoops right now. Which I'm still getting some stuff together. Uh, not a whole lot going on right now. We know we, I mean, we, we you know, we talked about it. Uh, we know we'd already know about uh, Carmelo. We talked about Carmelo and those guys. So. I'm keeping my nose to it, y'all. So, or anything y'all come across with, y'all can always hit me up. I'm on Snapchat. I'm on Facebook. Y'all know me. Uh, I even gave out my number. Uh, so, don't be afraid to hit me up. Don't be afraid to let me know how you feel. Uh, if you, you know, something you might want to hear me talk about, I got you. Uh, but for now, I'm going to take a break, y'all. Y'all have a good night. If anybody hasn't told you yet, I love you. And um, you know what? Peace out. My love.